Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, welcome to hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Thursday of Holy Week, Maundy Thursday. For those of you who um, think of the Holy Week calendar in in that way, we're going to talk about the Passover. We're going to talk about Jesus in the Passover um, here in just a moment. I have one um, item of news to share with you, and this is one of those that um, is hard to is hard to talk about, but it's important that we talk about, um, and then we be prepared to listen carefully to others around us um, as they receive and respond to this kind of information. So the Maryland Attorney General's office yesterday um, has been, well, issued a report following a multi-year investigation into sexual abuse of children um, at the hands of people involved in the Catholic Church. And so this report chronicles 150 Catholic priests and others associated with the archdiocese um, over like an 80-year period of time, more than 600 children credibly known to have been abused. Now, those people are now um, not children anymore, right? So we're talking about abuse that has taken place over eight decades. Um, we're talking about offenders, most of whom are now deceased. But we're talking about um, people who today, as they're hearing about this, um, it's like a range of, of reactions are produced. Righteous anger, for sure, disgust. Um, we're horrified. But there are going to be people today um, who have never told anyone what happened to them when they were little. And so today, um, I'm calling on us again. And sadly, we've had to do this periodically over the course of a number of years. Every time one of these reports come out, it, you know, whether it be the Presbyterians or the Episcopalians or the Southern Baptist, um, every time one of these reports is issued, we have this conversation. And I want you to be a safe person to tell today. And I want you to recognize that it might be your grandmother or your grandfather who they're in their 70s, their 80s, their 90s. Um, they might have deep, unresolved confusion, misplaced guilt, brokenness because of how someone in the church treated them inappropriately as a child. And so um, you might ask them a question like, hey, grandma, grandpa, I know that, um, you know, you you grew up, um, you know, going to this particular variety of church or it was you know, really integral part of, of your growing up. You spent a lot of time at the parish or you went to the parish school or you spent time in a um, in an orphanage or a home um, run by, you know, a church of some kind. I just want to know, do you think anything like this ever happened to anyone that you knew? 
when you were a kid? That's the entry point into the conversation. Um, be prepared um, when, when they look away and fall silent. Um, and be prepared for a conversation about what their relationship with the church was like when they were a kid. Be a safe person to tell today. And if you need to talk to somebody about what happened to you, um, let me encourage you to find a safe person to tell today. People are listening. Um, and we care. And it is not your fault. Um, and it's time to tell so that healing can begin. Today is um, Passover. Uh, and uh, you ought to do some uh, grocery shopping today. You're going to need... Um, some grape juice or some red wine, some parsley sprigs, some salt water, a little horseradish, some romaine lettuce, a little matzah, mm-hmm. one unshelled hard-boiled egg, a lamb shank bone. All right, you could use a chicken bone if you if you have to. Pitcher of water, uh, linen napkins, or paper towels. If you know you don't have linen napkins, it's okay. We're not trying to make it complicated. You're going to need a couple of candles. All right, um, a little mixing bowl. Right. Some sugar, some honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some things to get together on your shopping list as you prepare to celebrate Jesus in the Passover. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. John Boltz is joining us now. He's co-hosting an event tonight on TBN that you do not want to miss. Sean, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having us. All right. What's happening tonight and, and how do we participate? Well, you know, we're doing a traditional Jewish Passover, but we're doing it with eyes on Jesus in the context of why did he do the Seder right before he died? And Rabbi Jason Sobel, one of my favorite people in the world, we've been friends for I think over 15 years now. And before Jason, I grew up in the church. I grew up as a Christian. And I thought, you know, these these holidays, these Jewish holidays, they're important to know about, but they're not really important to practice or look at again. And then as I got to know Jason, there was life before Jason, life after Jason. He's like, do you understand the spiritual context, the prophetic moment that happened in these in these events and how it speaks to us today? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. And so we began to go on a journey where he started to show me that every major thing that happened in Jesus' life happened on one of the Jewish holidays because it was a fulfillment of all of these things. And I had no idea. I've been to Bible school. I didn't have any idea that these were a fulfillment. So we're celebrating tonight the Passover. And it could be too, Carmen, the biggest time of communion taken around the world at the same time. Yeah, it's really cool. So you guys can check it out, tbn.org backslash Passover, or if you just look for Jesus in the Passover, all the information um, uh, is going to be available there. You're looking for the live broadcast event, Jesus in the Passover. It's going to be um, tonight on the 6th of April. It'll be 8 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, 7 p.m. Central um, and Sean is going to co-host this with um, Rabbi Jason Sobel. Um, what, what's something that you have learned um, specifically about the Passover when, you know, as you've learned it through Jason's eyes? Like, how, what, what is something he has helped you see 
um, about this? Well, the good thing is it's not just one thing. There's every single element that we talk about in the Passover has to do with Jesus. And so when you deal with the matzah bread and how it was, you know, it's, it's breads with holes in it, and it represents the weight of our sin and how Jesus took it. So when we're eating it, we're actually experiencing what Jesus experienced on the cross. And just every single element, like the four cups that, uh, you know, you take during it, which there's these four beautiful cups that Jason has. I had to use paper cups the first time in my house. So it's okay if you have to use, you know, normal. I think I was actually in a hotel the first time I did Passover. But uh, but the four cups represent people coming from four corners of the world. And they come back because Jesus, when he went to the cross and he raised from the dead, it, it was a rallying point back to heaven, back to the heart of God, back to connection and intimacy with God. And so I think I've learned so much because it's not just, I mean, Passover means literally to, you know, to, to be free or to be, uh, uh, to skip over. So basically we see that all through the Old Testament and we see an exodus and you go through the reason why you named all those elements that we need is because he takes us, the rabbi is going to take us on a journey tonight of, of how the, the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites and how the Israelites had to escape. And there's a lot of drama in it. If you've never been a part of something like this, you hear the drama of this story. That's why like when someone like Rabbi Jason leads you through it, because there's so much drama in it and each element helps you to relate to what people were going through those thousands of years ago, but also what it means for us as believers today. Yeah, I think that, you know, it it might be relatively simple for us to answer the question about, you know, how is Jesus the Passover lamb? Um, But we probably haven't thought much about um, many of the other component parts of the Seder experience and the meal. And so all of that you're going to get to experience tonight. Again, you can check it out, Jesus in the Passover. It's a TBN special co-hosted um, by our guest, Sean Bolt. So we're going to continue a conversation with Sean here in just a moment. Meanwhile, um, you need to add to your shopping list. You're going to need a cup of chopped apple, a half a cup of chopped walnuts, a teaspoon of cinnamon, a teaspoon of sugar or honey, and enough grape juice or wine to moisten. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Offer up the sacrifice. Creation set forth the Since the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD, Passover has been celebrated in Homes and it's been celebrated among friends and eaten as um, a Seder meal. Uh, it is um, a wonderful opportunity to share with Jews in your community um, and for Christians because this particular Passover falls on um, this Thursday of Holy Week. It's a really good opportunity for us as Christians to look at how Jesus celebrated this particular Passover, how it became. Um, what we call the Last Supper, um, how it is changed in Jesus. What's the what are what are the things that he changes about it, and what does it point to? So we're talking with Sean Bolts from Sean Bolts Ministries. You can find 
Sean and his ministry at Bolts, B-O-L-Z, ministries.com. He's going to co-host an event tonight um, on TBN, tbn.org, and it's Jesus in the Passover. So, Sean, maybe you can talk about some of those um, some of those things. Like, what what is it about um, the the traditional Passover that Jesus transforms? Because he does get a little off script. Yeah, he gets off script because he starts to explain how he's the fulfillment of Passover and how when you believe in him and as you practice this with him. And as he says, this is my body, this matzah bread is no longer just, you know, something that you're taking that represents overcoming the, you know, the world and, and, and the weight of the sin of the world that I'm looking at versus the weight of what traditional Jews and Israelites were looking at is different. And I'm now the fulfillment of this. And so take this. And he says, drink this, this, this uh, wine or this blood. This is my blood. And this represents that you're now one because blood is the very life force of the world. And so it's really interesting how he takes it that way. And it's also very interesting that most Jewish people, when you talk to them about Jesus as a believer, uh, if you talk about Jesus and Passover, they understand, they've heard the story of Jesus doing this and they understand it. And they say it is very messianic. Like it's something that the Messiah would do. Like it's not off script for them in the sense of if there's a Messiah, he's going to do this. He's going to take over the Jewish holidays and because of the fulfillment of them, which is super interesting because no one else has done that in all of history. And so I think, you know, as someone who I remember when we first talked about doing this on TBN and Matt Crouch said, we need to show the average Christian person that Passover is relevant to today. And most early Christians, including Paul and you know, first Corinthians five, he talks about the Passover, like including Paul, he did, he honored the Passover because in it, as you do it, it actually is a biblical representation of, of being with God and all the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures that happened through Jesus. So as we're taking Passover, it's it's a great feast. You you sit around typically, you know, in, in comfortable, cozy chairs or with pillows, and you do it very informally. But then there's this formality that comes in telling the story. It's not like ritual. It's it's story. And as you hear the story, you start to see Jesus woven all through it. And it's an eye-opening experience. That's why I love that we're doing it live on TV, because it's so eye-opening that you get to see you know, this beautiful scene of Jesus and the disciples, and he's going to the cross the next day, and he decides to share a Passover feast, which Passover, again, it's very um, informal compared to other feasts, and it's and it's, it's beautiful, and it tastes good. It's, it's actually very tasty what they did. So I think it's, it's profound. So um, talk about some of the elements, some of the things that happen during, um, during the Seder, during the Passover meal, um, what might people experience if they were going to participate um, in this this evening? Well, the good thing is we we make <laughs> sure that you don't have to feel like you're not involved if you don't have all that shopping list done that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> because there's simple things like even the washing of your hands. It's a ritual that that you do in every seder, but this particular time it really represents. You know, the water's warm. It should be present. The picture of the water is traditionally used to pour water right over your left hand, then afterwards your right hand. So you're doing these things, but then the meaning of it, it's about who can go up to the mountain of the Lord. You have to have clean hands and a pure heart. So there's these steps that you do that bring these scriptures that we've read in Psalms or in the Old Testament or in Proverbs, all these different scriptures that are referred to. And all of a sudden it becomes alive to you because you're doing it. You're actually walking it out and you're starting to get this symbolic meaning. So there's a carpus, which is the, the, uh, the, the, the bitter fruit, you know, the, the green vegetable and it represents spring and renewal and it's parsley, which I, I love that Jason would say it's just parsley, you know, like <laughs> he helps us to understand 
And before we eat it, we dip it in water, which stands for the tears of slavery and the sweat of hard labor. So every element has a meaning to it. So you dip it in, and of course, parsley also cleanses your palate. So you can taste everything else so well. A lot of times people eat parsley right before they're going to drink a new wine or they eat it right before they're going to eat a new food. And also the saltiness represents the Red Sea, which the Israelites passed through that God parted. That's how detailed the Passover is. It's The Jewish religion is one of the most beautiful religions in the world, and Christians don't understand it. And we should, because when we understand it, we start to understand the roots of our faith. When you think about um, the this particular meal, and you think about the way Jesus would have celebrated it um, on this particular night... Um, are there things that as a Christian you say to yourself, I mean, I know that, I mean, I, I I guess I want to be sensitive to the reality that there are probably some people thinking right now, this feels like an appropriation of something that belongs to the Jews. But Jesus is the one who actually adapted it for my use as a Christian. Can you, can you sort of help us embrace it in that way? Yeah, again, Jesus Everything that happened to him significantly from his birth to his death happened on a Jewish festival, a Jewish holiday time. Mm -hmm. And so he came as a fulfillment of law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to take these things and show us because the Old Testament is God's love letter of pursuing the Israelites. And he, it's often seen that they're like his bride or that he's their father. And we're supposed to see our story as Christians in the context of the Old and New Testament. And so when Jesus came to fulfill the law, the last night before he died, he shared this meal with his disciples and he did all kinds of things and like he even confronted his disciples and said you're going to betray me but i still love you and and he it's a time of confrontation in that in that moment of but with love i mean it gave them hope that when peter was on the boat feeling like his life was over later on fishing jesus ran up to him and was like i told you this was going to happen you know like do you love me and so this this night uh, and, and celebrating these festivals isn't an appropriation for Christians because we're celebrating the one who fulfilled all the laws. And, and we should be able to see him in all the festivals and all the feasts, whether it's you know Rosh Hashanah or Hanukkah or all these places. He's the light of the world. And so now with Passover, what I love about it is that we actually rep it represents us coming from death into life. And so as we celebrate it together and we take that communion, we get to actually take on who he is in his nature in the fullness of what he expressed. Yeah, I think that reminding ourselves that, you know, God doesn't begin his revelation to the world with, um, you know, with the advent of of Christ in the womb of Mary. Like, right there, there is this yeah. ongoing relationship that God has um, with the world and particularly expressed through the Hebrews, um, through the Israelites, to the Jews. Um, I think that reminding ourselves of the very Jewishness um of Jesus and the life that he lived, the community he was a part of, the family into which he was born. Like, it's a very, very Jewish um, experience. It's it's an entirely Jewish experience. Um, and recognizing um, our our connection to to that vine, right? To, um, to the vine into which we are engrafted as Christians. Like, that's, I think, a part of um, the beauty of all of this. Well, and when Paul says, you know, Jews are going to get saved because they're going to be jealous of Gentiles, they're going to be jealous of our experience, they're not going to get saved just because we have God in us. They're going to be saved because we understand their relationship with God as well, and we understand we're, we're fulfilling through Jesus that relationship, and they're going to see that we actually have a reverence and, and an understanding of even 
what made their relationship special. And a lot of that is these kinds of feasts and festivals and these deliverances and these, these powers that happened in the Bible in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled, but then brings us in the New Testament. And they're going to see like, wow, they really understand. They really understand they are, we're God's chosen people. We're his holy people, but they have been grafted in. And we want that. We want what they have. And I think that Jason helps us to not, and I hope I, I help too tonight. He helps us to not feel separate from our the Jewish side of our Christian identity. And that's been so separated and segregated for so long. And it's so, again, as somebody who grew up and I thought I'd been there, done that, wore that t-shirt with Jewish stuff, I didn't understand anything. And so now that I've been, you know, looking at all these doing satyrs and understanding these things, I feel like such a more fulfilled Christian because I understand God, not just contextually, but spiritually in a way I never did before this. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, what a delight to make your acquaintance. I hope that we get to talk with you again in the future as well. That's Sean Boltz. Uh, he is going to participate tonight in leading Jesus in the Passover. It's a TBN special. You can find it at tbn.org backslash Passover. It's also on the TBN app. It's going to be at 8 p.m. East, 7 p.m. Central. Why don't you consider celebrating um, Passover with Jesus tonight? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. The truth of God will stay the same. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. you There's some, so much confusion in the culture today. I know you know this. I know that every direction you turn, um, there is there is darkness and there is confusion in the culture today. So I've got a, a couple of headlines here that lead into our next conversation. Um, and I think that the way that I want to begin this is just by inviting you to think about a family that you know, a family that you know, who has um, a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, a grandchild, who is confused about their identity and maybe confused about their sexual orientation may be confused um, in terms of the way they are expressing themselves um, as male or female or non-binary. So once you just bring that into view, bring that family into your heart and mind here um, for just a moment as we enter into this particular conversation, let me highlight a couple of headlines. Uh, Kansas and Arkansas um, have both passed bills protecting the rights of men and women in bathrooms. You're going to hear these referred to in, um, you know, in the secular media today as um, measures that are designed to um, hurt or inhibit the rights of gender nonconforming people. Uh, instead, I think I would invite you to um, consider how these laws uh, or how these lawmakers are seeking to protect biological men and biological women uh, in the context of uh, the very personal space of a bathroom. And then in Ontario, Canada, there is a bill being proposed that would bill that would turn the city into an LGBTQ safe zone, and it would fine people twenty five thousand dollars per offense um, if they make offensive remarks about people who are um, LGBTQI+. <clears throat> and so I don't even know when you would necessarily know when 
um, you were literally crossing the physical line into the LGBTQ safe zone or when you were um, using speech that was going to be considered offensive. Um, This is called the Protecting 2SLGBTQI Plus Communities Act. Um, And so we... It's confusion. It's confusion. I think I'm just going to describe it that way. And then to add to the confusion today, Build-A-Bear has announced um, a drag bear. Build-A-Bear has entered into a um, cooperative agreement with a television personality whose name is RuPaul. RuPaul is a drag queen. Um, And there now is a RuPaul Build-A-Bear Quote, yeah, I don't even going to read the description. So um, confusion, confusion. And in the community where I live, the family of um, of a 28-year-old born, Audrey Hale, um, identified as male. Um, you know this individual as the person who um, took the lives of six innocent people at the Covenant School last week. What you might not know is that her parents um, are in hiding and their pastor is trying to shepherd them in the midst of not only the loss of their child, um, but um, a reaction from the trans activist community that um, has them fearing for their safety and they are um, so uh, there's just a lot going on in relationship to this. So we thought having Jay Louder on to talk with us about families who have a member of the family who is um, non-gender conforming, identifying maybe as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, um, queer, on and on and on and on goes the list of how they might be identifying. And so we're just going to talk about, like, how do we talk about it? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jay Louder is joining us now. You can find him at jlouder.com. Jay, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's let's start this way. When you were 18, you got a call from a friend. Can you tell us about that call and maybe the journey that you've traveled since then in your relationship with your sister? Yeah, I did. I got a phone call letting me know that uh, my sister was in a gay lifestyle. And... I, I grew up in a Christian home. We went to church every Sunday. Uh, I, I mean, to say that it was shocking would be an understatement. Of course, it was a different day and time, too. Things were not as, I mean, even the setup this morning, things were not then as they are now. But yeah, it was absolutely devastating. Not only devastating for me, but for my entire family. So, um, you know, I think that acknowledging that times have changed um, is important. Uh, I also recognize, Jay, that, you know, when you're 18 and you hear something, you think it's about you, even though this was, you know, like, right, if we were able to go back to our 18-year-old self and say, hey, everything that you hear is actually not about you, um, it is actually about the other person in this case, um, does that does that help me enter into this conversation today if I'm actually able to keep in the center of my concern the person who is experiencing 
the confusion or the attraction versus thinking it's about me and my family and and what's going on with us? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great perspective for sure. At the same time, uh, while it is about the other person, the, 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 the hurt and the pain that really affects the entire family, though, you can't disregard it. I mean, no doubt about it. It is about the other person. And I wish I could have looked at it that way. Of course, at that day and time, not only was it shocking to hear this news, but on top of that, I felt like it was going to be, and again, as you say, part of that's because of pride of looking at it, only how it affects me and my family. But how does that make us look? Because it wasn't mm. perceived at that day and time the way it is now. I mean, I was watching uh, television the other night. I was watching the, an award show, and I saw a commercial for feminine products. I, I never thought I'd see the day where I saw feminine products and a man was on the commercial. So yes, it was a different day and time. And going back, I, I would have handled it completely different than what I did because I was very combative. I was very angry. I thought that by showing my anger and telling her how wrong she was, that I was going to change behavior. And obviously it didn't work. So let's, um, let's fast forward. Um, what is your relationship like with your sister now? I mean, let, let's, well, first of all, how many years have passed? Let's like give us a sense of decades at least. Um, and then what's your relationship like with your sister now? Yeah, it's been about two decades. And uh, my relationship with her is extremely close. Matter of fact, uh, she and I texted back and forth at length last night. So we're very close now. Um, and... And I want to ask this like carefully and maybe I might misspeak, but you know, have you seen redemption? I know you've been praying for redemption in, in her life. Have you seen that? Yeah, actually we have. And it's been a long process and something that really has just began to transpire here just in the last, oh, I'd say two or three years. And really what started that was for years, we didn't see her at Christmas, Thanksgiving. She lived in a different city and there was a wall between us. And I finally came to the conclusion that my best response to her was to just love her and accept her as a person. And so I made the decision that even though she had not been welcome at family gatherings, which I regret this tremendously, that um, we, me and my wife talked about it and said, hey, we want you with us at the holidays even if that means we have to have our own celebration, even if the rest of the family doesn't accept that. And that was really the beginning process of, of healing this relationship. And I believe part of the process of the redemption of bringing her back to where, to the faith that she was raised with. Hmm. We're talking with Jay Louder. You can um, connect with Jay online at jlouder.com. Jay, I want you to maybe just speak directly to parents right now, parents and grandparents um, living in fear, like genuinely living in fear that in this environment in which we find ourselves, where particularly a lot of young women um, are identifying um, as something other than their biological gender and expressing themselves in ways that are certainly contrary to God's revealed design um, in, in scripture. Um, and they're, li they're living in fear. Can you just, just speak to them for a moment? Yeah. Well, what I would say just from the experiences that we've had and from learning 
is, and it sounds so trivial and it sounds so generic, but yet there's so much power in it. And that is, don't do what we do, what we did, excuse me. Don't go about trying to change someone. You, you probably have learned by now that you can't do that. But what in, wins at the end of the day is just loving someone. Um, I found that, I, 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 let me use an example. Um, I knew a guy uh, that had a bad alcohol issue. And so what we often try to do is we often try to change behavior. But this friend of mine, he, matter of fact, he was a non-believer. And so rather than trying to change his behavior, I realized that what he really needed was a heart change. And then if he had a heart change, that God would bring about the other changes in his life and break misconceptions, break addictions. And so I was able to lead this individual to Christ. And then when the heart changes, the behavior follows. And so for us, what won in the end of the day was was love, was simply loving someone, accepting someone. We, we gave up the sermons. We gave up the verse quoting. We gave up the braiding. It didn't work. And we just began to love her where she was. And that's what brought about the change. I know that um, this counsel is hard for some to hear because you imagine that people can be argued out of their behavior. Let me ask you how that has ever worked for you. How has that ever worked for you in relationship to anything that somebody could actually argue you out of a particular behavior? Um, it is about heart change. We're going to continue our conversation with Jay Louder. Um, we're going to talk about pastors and how genuinely unprepared they are um, for this particular season in which we find ourselves. And then I'm going to ask, like, how do I be a good Christian friend to a mom whose young adult daughter is presenting as non-binary? Like, that's happening right now in my life. Might be happening in your life as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. We're talking with Jay Louder. You can connect with Jay at jlouder.com. Um, Jay, pastors are woefully unprepared for the this context of ministry. Um, case in point, I'll just use the, the Hale family in Nashville, Tennessee, um, their pastor announced to the congregation that, you know, this couple that's been an integral part of their uh, community life is, uh, in his words, laying low. I mean, they're hiding. Um, and that if people want to get messages uh, to them, that he would deliver those messages. Um, there's no way that this particular pastor was prepared when this child of his church began uh, presenting as um, male, um, and these parents were not prepared to um, to know how to help their daughter in the midst of that. The result is horrific 
and we are all aware of it. And and yet we're trying to have a conversation where we say, like, there's a there's a right and a wrong way to go about this, and we're not actually sure we know all the all the right ways to do all of this. Can you just help us wade into this? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's important to have open dialogue. And when I say open dialogue, that means without judgment. And and I could stop there for a minute and talk about how sometimes the most judgmental people in the world, and I can say this, I've spent over 20 years traveling the world preaching the gospel, and that's what I do with my life. But some of the most judgmental people on the planet are Christian people. It's so easy for us to still find the log in someone else, uh, the, the, the splinter in someone else's eye while we have the log in our own. But it's open dialogue. Uh, it's, 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 not, it's not a matter of uh, celebrating something that you don't agree with. It's not a matter of endorsing something that you don't agree with. But it is a matter of being willing to listen. Oftentimes, there are other situations that have led to these conclusions. Um, I, I can't go into detail with a family member, but there were some abusive situations that had taken place, which had led to some misconceptions that brought about this lifestyle. So rather than preaching at someone, uh, doing, like again, as I said earlier, what we did, uh, preaching at someone, trying to change behavior, it, it was a matter of beginning to try to understand. Again, that didn't mean agree. It didn't mean celebrate. It didn't mean endorse, even to this day. Uh, with my sister, there's an understanding that she and I still don't agree on certain things. Well, me and my wife don't agree on certain things, but we can still disagree and have open dialogue. See, that's the problem right now. You can take this uh, in the political realm, in the spiritual realm. We no longer want to listen to anybody. We're so busy trying to get our own point across that we're unwilling to hear. You know, somebody told me years ago, they said, uh, and of course, I know the scripture says that by their fruit, you'll know them. But somebody said, you know, Jay, while that's true, it's by their roots, you'll understand them. And I think part of that dialogue is being willing to listen, to try to understand the roots. What are some of the catalysts, the pinch points that may have led to some of the decisions that are being made that mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, whatever doesn't agree with? And and I think that's a starting point there. You know, for too long, we've talked at people. For too long, we've told people what we're against instead of telling people we love them and we're for them. Mm, that's so good. Um, I'm thinking, you know, a conversation that, uh, you know, that even says like, look, these, these roots or these fruits have roots, um, you know, or these fruits have a root. Uh, and maybe to be able to open up a conversation about what was sown in early childhood or what was experienced um you know, what, what leads you to believe these things? What, um, what are the thoughts, you know, that are happening, uh, you know, when you, when you see yourself this way, like, right, there's, there's an opportunity to talk about what's, um, what's underneath, what, you know, what is there and to stay in conversation. I think that's the part, Jay, that, um, I want to really encourage people today, like stay in conversation, and and yet I'll just confess, like it it's it's hard. I have a um I have a friend who they is a very mature Christian couple, um, and they have a young adult daughter, college age person, um, who is presenting now as non binary. And it's a challenge for them, it's a challenge between them. Um 
It's a challenge at church. Like I on and on and on and on and on. And so, you know, I want to be a good friend to my friend who's the mom. Right. And so it just it's just I just think we just got to be like honest about how complicated it is. Yeah, we do. But correction without love leads to rebellion. I mean, we tend to focus way too Mm. much on behavior. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, I mean, he had encounters with some people who had some very deviant lifestyles. And but you don't see Jesus making that the focus of the conversation. What you see Mm -hmm. is Jesus showing love towards these people. What you see is Jesus showing compassion towards these people. What you see Jesus not focus focusing on the behavior, but focusing on the heart issue. I know some Mm -hmm. people disagree with this, but I had somebody at my kitchen table, a female who was uh, we were all sitting down to dinner, and she said, I was in the gay lifestyle. I am a believer. I have accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I do struggle with same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. I know that this is not God's will for my life. I know this is not what I'm supposed to do. But just to be able to have someone at the kitchen table that felt confident and felt open to be able to say, hey, this is something I struggle with. This is something that I don't want to, to be a part of my life. It's something that I'm working to change but felt the liberty to be honest and say that there's an issue in their life as there's some kind of issue in all of our lives, some struggle. I don't care who you are. Uh, Hers happens to be one that maybe some people who are listening today say, well, I've never struggled with that, but it doesn't mean her struggle is any greater or any less than yours or mine. But again, it's that keeping that conversation open. It's the same thing that we tell people who are struggling with suicidal tendencies, The whole key for your mental health is being able to have somebody in your life that doesn't bring judgment, that brings love, that brings compassion. Yes, they bring truth. It doesn't mean that you hide truth, but you bring truth with compassion. And there's a whole lot of difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're listening right now and you're like, hey, I need some help with that. I'd like to know some testimonies related to that. I just remind you of the conversations that we've had with Sam Alberry, Jackie Hill Perry, Christopher Yuan. The Restored Hope Network, Help for Families. Um, There is a lot of help out there if you are interested in availing yourself of it. Um, When we, when we, I I just want us to maybe touch on this one thing because you and your wife are obviously in, um, you know, individually in a relationship with the Lord. It's the centerpiece of your marriage. Um, You have together pursued um, a redeemed relationship with your sister, which I love, and that's so beautiful. This can be a challenge for the strongest of marriages. Um, and so if you're, you know, each each parent um, has a relationship, an individual relationship, let's say with the young adult who's um, um, experiencing same-sex attraction or um, or experiencing... Um, a, a division in terms of the way that they feel about their gender and their identity. So can you talk about like how parents, like the essential relationship between the couple, um, because the mom has a relationship with the young adult child and the dad has a relationship with the young adult child, and those can be very, very different. Yeah, well, I think part of that starts with respecting boundaries. I think part of that goes back to what we've been talking about is the dialogue and the communication that takes place and took place between me and my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Understanding that 
I mean, my wife is a female and I'm a male. So obviously the, the, we are wired differently. And so yeah. we, we react differently. We have different opinions. Um, and so part of, for, for us was me trying to understand uh, what she felt was the prop uh, appropriate action and reaction and her understanding mine. And then us finding a common ground that was somewhere between what I felt was the direction to go and the direction that she felt to go. I'm so sorry. I, I wasn't paying attention to our clock and we're completely out of time. So I, I'm so sorry to, um, to truncate our conversation, but thank you so much. Um, um, for being here and for being open to this conversation with us today. Um, let me just say to everybody listening right now on this uh, Holy Thursday, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's be walking with the Lord today as he makes his way to Calvary. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.